Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the We Live Golf podcast. I am joined today by my co-host, Mr. Tom Mitchum. How are you doing, sir? Hello. Yeah, good, thanks. Yep, all good. Good, good, good. Yes, um, we are back breaking down all live golf news. It's um, It's been a bit quiet, Tom. <laughs> as as usual. Yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> oh, it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? Um, and yeah, certainly a lot going on. Uh, I, so I want to talk about how you found things on the ground. So I know you went to the first event in London. Um, and then, yeah, we, yeah. Could, we can go into all the player editions and all the back and forth fighting with the different tours and yeah this uh it's it's a mad time in golf isn't it it is a mad time in golf it is um i actually really enjoyed my experience of being on the ground um i, lo- I love the shotgun start i thought that was brilliant um th- there was a, apparently i mean i didn't see it but apparently there was a concert at the end of every event uh, every round sorry every night so um i think the day i went it was craig david and i I didn't stay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i the whole event it's just very it's set up very well expensive but then places always are aren't they the um -hmm. any sort of sport in the big sporting event like that the places are always expensive they always ramp up the price of beer and things like that um i walked around the grounds for about two hours love the golf course it's on my bucket list to go and play that golf course, London Centurion. It's a beautiful golf course. Um, I actually started on the third hole, which was the hole that uh, Phil Mickelson and DJ started on. And um, yeah, I stayed there for a little while, watched Charles Schwartz all come through. I wanted to catch a bit of Charles Schwartz because I backed him as, on an outright bet to win that event, which very nice. you know, pay, paid off very nicely. Um, and then I sort of settled down after two hours and found myself on a lovely bar terrace overlooking the 16th fairway. Basically, the bar terrace was they put it in the right spot, let's put it that way. It was down a par four, and it was sort of I don't know about 300 yards down, but that's where all the balls were landing. Um, so you basically got to see and see all the second shots going into the green. Yeah, lo- lovely event. Um, Highly recommend anyone going to it. I, I thought it was set up very well, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's kind of a shame from our point of view, isn't it? Because obviously, I I couldn't attend that first one, and then yeah. I would have loved to go to the next one, but they're uh, several thousand miles away now, so <laughs> that's not <laughs> happening. Um, See, so yeah, no, good to good to hear that you enjoyed it. Who who impressed you just from a Obviously, when you watch pro golfers hit shots, there tends to be one or two where you just think, wow, I wish I could hit the ball like that. Was there anyone that stood out? I'll tell you who didn't stand out. Kevin, no. Jesus, man. That that guy takes ages over a putt. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a bit too long for my liking that. Uh, To be honest, it was the South Africans. I mean, I, I love, like, from an early age of watching golf, I can remember watching Ernie Els, and he was one of my favorite golfers. Um I just I love watching like South Africans swing the ball. They're they're very good with like shot shaping shots and things like that. They're a bit like the Spanish as well. They got like magic hands around the green. So I enjoyed all watching all the South Africans and in particular Charles Schwartzel just because of the outright bet that I had on him. But the, the yeah. South Africans they dominated the event. Um apart from the captain. The captain had a nightmare day or stays and uh, a nightmare free round, sorry, but the, the rest of them all come through from him, like Brandon Grace played well. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. DJ was great to watch. Um, he's very um, in the zone, as you'd imagine, with someone like him. 
Um, Phil Mickelson, good laugh. Like he was high fiving people around the event, so he was a good character to watch. I didn't really like the vibe I got of Hudson Swarford. He seems a bit of a um, what's the word without sounding really horrible? It just seems hard work. Like the way just just these like aura around him, the way he was. Yeah, it just seemed like a hard work kind of golfer for me. But yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Had a couple of them stupid get in the hole chants and things like that. I can't stand <laughs> stuff like that. It drives me insane. And um, thankfully, the first hole that I was on, which was the third hole, uh, someone shouted that out, and then he got he soon got shut down by the the crowd around me for shouting it yeah. out. Basically, so yeah. Um, but oh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, the South Africans definitely a highlight for me watching them play. Nice, very good. I'll uh, I'll talk more about Team South Africa shortly. Um, <laughs> just to, I, I guess, to flip over then to the TV broadcast side of things. So I watched pretty much the whole thing uh, via the YouTube channel. Uh, the YouTube channel itself worked seamlessly. Um, my Wi-Fi isn't great in this house, but yeah, there, there was no kind of lag in the stream or anything. So that was really good to see. Uh, I thought the fact that they showed just so many shots, I mean, you listen to kind of golf Twitter and golf media and so much of the talk is about how many adverts Sky have to and, and the American golf coverage have to shoehorn in, uh, how much they kind of just mill around in the studio chatting between themselves rather than actually showing golf shots. I thought that it was an obvious route for Liv to take, but I think they took it really well in that they just showed shot after shot after shot. There was a little kind of, um, I can't remember what it was called, but there was a little kind of replay section that popped up now and then. That was really good, just to kind of catch you up on key shots. I thought the commentary was okay. Um, no no real issues there. So, yeah, I thought for a, for a first attempt, and obviously they've kind of put the production together, I believe, in about two months. Um, I think, yeah. For a, for a first attempt, the coverage was really, really good and hopefully will only get better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The days that I watched on YouTube were totally fine. Um, like you say, just so many golf shots that we saw and you just don't see that anywhere else. And and it was all completely free as well. So it's just, yeah, yeah it was great. It's great to, um, great coverage, I thought. And like you say, two months, they got to put that together. And uh, again, I thought it was fantastic. Um coverage to be fair it'd be interesting to see if um a certain mr faldo heads over yeah you never know never know i don't know, don't know how retired, kind of, um, doesn't he? yeah don't know how money uh money orientated he is given that he's got a, a golf design business etc um but yeah it'd be an interesting one um yeah i think that uh, one other thing that's worth mentioning on, on the coverage as well, um, and I thought this may happen because one of their main guys behind the production has a WWE background. They did do some kind of, I think, initial forays into kind of almost vignettes. Uh, there was one about uh, Chase Kepka that just popped up a couple of times, and it was just a quick kind of three-minute video on who he was and why he was there and why he saw it as a fresh challenge, etc., and I thought that was that was really good. Um, the uh, literally the only thing I didn't like about the TV coverage was the the leaderboard down the left hand side. And I think I think they will definitely change this for Portland because it's it's been raised by everyone and anyone who watched the coverage. 
each player have like I think they have their first initial and then three letters of their surname. And I'm pretty deep into golf, but trying to decipher who some of those players were by three letters of their surname was a bit of a challenge. Yeah, that was probably the only thing I didn't really like about it. And you've seen that everywhere on social media that people hated it. Um, yeah, so it, I, like you say, they'll learn from that at Portland and change it. I, I would have thought so. Um, but yeah, I, I just think coverage-wise, it can only get better, really. And that's exciting. Yeah. And if we're going to see that many golf shots, that's that's all I want to see is golf shots. And if we're going to see yeah. that many, then I am all in for it. So what what would you give the event, I don't know, out of 10 or give it a grade? What would you give it as kind of a, a first attempt? Um, I would give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, the, 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 again, I, I said this on the podcast last week. There's there's not this podcast, another golf podcast, sorry. Um, the, there's things they can learn still. That they're, they're obviously growing. Um, like you say, the leadable thing on the, the coverage was annoying. Um I actually thought the golf course choice was good. And I think that was proven with the scoring. Um, and I know a lot of people say, oh, a lot of these golfers are over the hill now. And um, But, like, you know, you've got some, DJ's not over the hill. So, like, he, no. even he was struggling out there. The golf course was a good test for these golfers. Um, I saw some close-ups of Poulter, actually. He, um, it was actually quite funny. I, did, I haven't mentioned this. Um I was watching Poulter and he was obviously going around with Westwood and um, Poulter's ended up in a bunker and he shouted across to uh, Lee Westwood. Uh, there was a stone in front of his ball and he shouted across to Lee Westwood, oh, can I move the uh, stone? Um, and Lee Westwood's caddy has shouted back, oh, um, I don't know. It's a new tour, isn't it? I don't know what the rules are. So he's, Poulter's just got in the bun bunker and hit this golf shot out. Um I mean, yeah, he stuck it. He stuck it to about five foot away. So yeah, it was, I don't think that stone affected him very much. But um, no, it's, yeah, it, it is unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, sorry, it's unbelievable what they can do these these pros despite obstacles like that, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think it were it was um, Scotty Scheffler. I think it was early on in this week's tournament. His ball had landed in a in a divot in the fairway. Um, and the divot was at a really weird angle. Like it was, it was a divot where someone had obviously hit a really big high fade. So he's yeah. in like a cross, almost like a diagonally crossed divot. And the commentators are going on while he's preparing for the shot, saying, "Oh, you know, this could end up short, or it could get chunky, or whatever." And then he just stuck it to like eight foot. And he's just like, "If I tried to hit a ball out of there, it's either going fifty yards too far, or fifty yards left, or..." 20 yards short of the green, you know, it could have gone anywhere and, and he just kind of stood up and hit it. Um, yeah, it's uh, little things like that just tell you that these guys are playing a different game to, to the rest of us, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, most definitely. Um, but yeah, no, seven out of ten, there's things they can learn, most definitely. Um, but I, I'm still not entirely sold on the team aspect of it. Um, I think that needs improvement. Um especially the graphics. I do not like the graphics at all on those. Yeah. Um, they do look rushed, very rushed. Um, mm. But a good, I think seven out of 10 is a good start really. And I think they would have taken something like that. Um, 
again, just the whole event was so well organized. The big fan, like you had a massive fan zone in the center of the um, golf course, pretty much. And there was big yeah. screens up everywhere, shops, merch shops. I bought, I bought some merch. I got some live golf stuff. I've got a live golf hat, um, <laughs> some golf balls and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what people are going to think of me when I rock up at the range with that hat on. <laughs> We, you, we you're just see. a trailblazer clearly you just get it in there <laughs> before everyone else adopts it um but no I, I i think i'd align with that somewhere around seven or eight out of ten i was really impressed yeah. i think the only other couple of things that were slight niggles and after the first event if all i've got is slight niggles then they're obviously doing pretty well um I do think the shotgun start, although it is great, I think for round three, they're going to have to think about it a little bit because, like, I think they got lucky. From memory, I think they got a bit lucky and Schwarzel was actually starting on one. So so his kind of um, parade to victory kind of worked as a normal event would. But what I was finding and what people have pointed out to me is it if like the leader is teeing off on 11 and the guy in second place is teeing off on five, it's going to be really difficult to, to sort of what you normally do while you're watching a final round is think, oh, okay, well, this guy's two back, but he's got two par fives left, or he's got that tricky par three where he could drop a shot. It's really hard to do that when you've got to try and figure out where all the um, leading protagonists have started on the course. So I do think for round three, they're going to have to think about, maybe by all means keep the shotgun start but almost kind of send them out on the course in reverse order so the guy in the in last place starts on 18 the guy in first place starts on one um and and kind of order it like that maybe there's probably something to think about there the only thing i really don't like that they can't fix now for i don't really think for this season anyway and i know this is kind of a, a beta um season is the is that team element uh and all down to the fact that two of the teams were pre-arranged so as i understand it the the south african guys i think they're the stingers um they're going to play together for the first three events and weren't included in the draft same with the english guys uh Paul the and Westwood, et cetera. Yeah. yeah who i think they finished third didn't they but yeah. um yeah, the fact that they weren't included in the draft, they're quite clearly the strongest teams. I mean, I know the English guys only came third, but they didn't perform overly well, and they were only just behind. I think it was PTU Line's team. Um, yeah. So I I just think with all the controversy around Liv and the, and the fact that they're trying to kind of legitimise themselves, what you really want to steer away from is any kind of, I guess, A, anything that people can make into a bit of a joke. And when you've got a draft where half the teams, where some of the teams aren't drafted, that's an easy joke for people to make. And also just stay away from any kind of anything that could be construed as a bit dodgy or, a bit, you know, showing favoritism to certain players, etc. And, and I just think allowing those two teams to play together basically makes a bit of a mockery of, of the whole team concept for this season and i really hope they don't um repeat this in the future yeah no i, I agree I really like the draft you know i like the draft i like the idea of televising the draft and making making it something people have stakes in mm -hmm. and with what they've done with it initially there are no stakes and there's no real interest because it's not a fair competition 
But the thing is with the draft, they've missed out on an opportunity there. It's like um, I think Pat Mayo said it. Like if you actually showed it live, the draft that would be really cool. Like the NFL draft is shown live all all three days of it. I mean, it does get a bit tiresome, tiresome when you're in like round seven on um, day three, but. They, they did miss an opportunity there. You could show that live where all these players are going to go, who they're playing for in that team, that event, etc. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I've, I've still not sold on it, um, the team aspect as of yet. And that probably has a lot of the reasons behind what you're saying, basically. just There's just a lot of, as I say, the graphics I don't like. Um, mm. I don't like the pre-arranged... Uh, teams like the all South African team and the all English team. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think it needs work. The uh, team event aspect of it. Yeah. I, and I think it will naturally improve with kind of the next season because you're going to have, well, hopefully you'll have a few more events. You'll have um, the same players, you know, we, we'll know it by this time or maybe a bit earlier next year we'll know which players are going to play each event. Whereas at the minute, they're having to kind of react, aren't they? You know, oh, some PGA Tour players are coming over to Portland. It sounds like there might be a couple, a few more that join after the Open. Then there's also, um, I think it was Max Homer said it, that there was some thinking about coming, or it might have been Peter Uline said, there were some who were waiting until after the Tour Championship to come. Because yeah. you know they want to stick around for the Tour Championship, take that big check if they're in the still in the FedEx Cup race, and then come o- over. So you can't really have coherent teams while all that's going on. But from next year, hopefully they'll have kind of a, a settled player base, and you can make the give those teams far more stakes than they have currently. So I think it's a bit of a beta issue, isn't it? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you just touched on it there, these new player announcements um that we've seen already. So the big four, I suppose you've got Bryson, Kepka, Patrick Reed, and Abraham Answer. Um all very different players in their own rights. I mean, you've got Patrick Reed, who's a bit of a a bad boy of the tour, so to speak. Um Abraham Answer is a young up and coming, very good Mexican like iron player he's a very good little player like that uh bryson DeChambeau, who's just trying to dismantle golf courses he seems to think augusta national was a past 60 or something um and then brooks kepka who gets up for all these major events and i i, I don't know i don't know what he's thinking is behind joining this um really but um i suppose his brother's here as well and the money but what, what are your thoughts on the big four there joining yeah, I mean, none of them were a huge surprise, I don't think. Um, Kepka will certainly be a, an interesting one, obviously. As you know, I'm a, a big Kepka fan. I've got his flag from uh, Beth Page signed on, on my wall here. So, uh, yeah, I'm a Kepka guy. Um, I, I guess the worry, maybe slight concern as kind of a Kepka fan, is that he doesn't put a huge amount of effort in off the... Uh, outside of the tournament you know is he going to keep up his kind of training regime his practice regime etc for these events or is he almost going to kind of rest on the money and and go and uh, have a fun life with with Jenna off the course you know that's that's kind of my worry with Kepka but as you say on the flip side he does he has got up for majors he's got four major victories so um maybe he kind of 
start seeing all of these eight events this year or seven as there is left as kind of his his majors now and and gets up for all of them it's it's always difficult to know with him isn't it um and then yeah there's been a bit of uh bit of a thing made about the fact that uh Liv have kind of claimed all the all the villains off the PGA Tour haven't they with uh, with Patrick Reed coming across as well to join Bryson and um Sergio etc uh yeah. Bryson's an interesting one as well uh, as you say he's kind of trying to reinvent the game through sheer power now um so yeah he he that he's a really interesting one um I, I don't know how he's going to play I couldn't tell you his – it'll be interesting to see his kind of press conference stuff because he's always a bit kind of different to everyone else, isn't he, in, in the way and what he talks about. So it, it'll be really interesting to see his, his views and how open he is on, on the whole thing. Um, but, yeah, it, it kind of feels like those guys came over weeks ago, but, like, Brooks was only announced about five days ago, wasn't it? Um, yep. It's amazing how, how it flies by with all this news. Um and uh, yeah, Abraham Anser, obviously top player. I think he's talked about this allows him to focus on other business opportunities. I think he's quite kind of entrepreneurial. So yeah, interesting take from him. And obviously it, it gives them, along with Carlos Ortiz that we'll talk about in a minute, it kind of gives them that um, that foothold in, in Mexico as well. Yeah, so Carlos Ortiz is a rumoured another one to be joining. Don't think that's been confirmed as of yet. Um, but like you say, they're trying to sort of corner Mexico there. I have heard um, Lahiri might be um, signing up to this after the Open. So mm. that will be a, um interesting one because they're obviously trying to corner India then with that market. And um, I, I mean, Matsy Armour is the big one. We, we, we've had a few discussions ourselves. If they get Matsy Armour, I think that's a game changer for them, um, yeah. especially money-wise because the money that he'll generate is just – unbelievable because he's so popular in japan um so yeah there's a few guys that would be interesting to say to speak if they get um obviously tigers turn them down i don't think they're going to get him and there's obviously guys making a strong stance for the pga like rory rory's the prime example of that and is there a danger that he gets left behind at this Mm. stage now that's what it seems that's what we're seeing it's seeming like yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, I mean, the other two that are kind of, I, I won't even say rumoured at this point, they are going to be in the field for Portland. They're just not announced yet. So yeah. you've got, um, hopefully I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Eugenio Chakara, who is He's... the number two ranked amateur in the world. Yep. Apparently he is. Um, he's kind of been mentored by Sergio Garcia. So, you know, there's a close tie there coming straight out of college and deciding to to sign with Liv rather than the PGA Tour is is a very interesting move. Um, and you could kind of put Matt Wolf in, a, who's the other name that's about to turn up, you could kind of put him in the same bracket because he's still only, what, probably 23, I guess, 23, 22, 23, 24. Um, came out on tour with this huge uh, college, um, college background, Obviously, has won on tour, then has had his struggles. But these are really big potential, big net, you know, young prospects who could kind of form the future of the game. And the fact that they're coming over to live at this point is is really interesting. The other thing I noticed this morning, I was just going through um, some of the form of some of the Asian and Japanese tour players who are playing this week, and 
I didn't realize just how much kind of the top end of the Asian and Japanese tour has been kind of ta all taken. You know, there's yeah. um, Kinoshita, Inamori, um, uh, Saddam, I'll butcher this name, Kai Kanjana, are all kind of recent victors. Obviously, you've got Tanihara as well. You've got Scott Vincent, who plays over there and, and has recent wins. You've got a real pedigree coming over from that area as well. And like you say, if you add Hideki or Sung Jae Im, um, yeah. suddenly, you've, yeah, you've got a real kind of driving force behind live efforts uh, over in the East as well. Most definitely, most definitely. Um, sorry, that's where I was there. Uh, so moving on to the next event in Portland, um, yeah. you've done a little bit of research on this golf course. What, what are we going to be expecting here? Just uh, just so I can get a uh, bet on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have done a little bit. So obviously they're at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland. My understanding is it will be a, an amalgamation of um, the two courses at Pumpkin Ridge, um, which I did have loaded up, and now one of them has kindly uh, disappeared on me. Uh, but yeah, we've got um, the Witch Hollow course, and then the other course that that's also on kind of the the same uh, plot of land. So they're both very short courses. So I would expect a relatively um, short course, even if they try and kind of combine them and, and take all the longest holes. Uh, so you've got a, a par 71 measure, measuring very slightly over 7,000 yards. The other was a par 72, which is, again, I think was about 7,200 yards. So by kind of PGA Tour standards, these are very short courses. Um, they have been used for pro tournaments in the past. So you've got um, the Corn Ferry event run from uh, 2014 up to 2020. So you've got kind of um, seven years worth of uh, history there. You've then got um, various women's opens have been run there. Um, Tiger has actually won at these courses. Um, so he won the, I think it was where, when he, where he won his third consecutive US amateur um, when he was about 20. So that would be what, 1996. So yeah, Tiger has won at this course. Um, the last event, I think, before he turned prof professional in that case. So yeah, there's a bit of history there. I, I was looking at the Corn Ferry leaderboards and it just screamed to me that kind of, Anyone can win, but approach is kind of going to be the key here, I think. We're, yeah. we're probably going to see a winning score of 20 under or or above, uh, I guess, given that we're putting down three rounds, maybe take that down to, I don't know, 16 under and above for the three rounds. Um, and, yeah, approach seemed to be key. Uh, there's a lot of lot of names. If you Even if you just look at the last leaderboard in 2020, you've got... Um, Players like Lee Hodges, Chad Ramey, um, Carl Yuan, Will Zalatoris was sixth, and we know all about his irons from uh, from this year. Joey Garver again. They, these are players who are very kind of iron focused. Um, yep. So yeah, I'm I'm very much expecting it to be a short course where anyone can win. Distance may well play a factor because it does on any course in the world, but. Uh, I think it really is a course where anyone can win and approaches are going to be absolutely key. 
Nice, nice. I've just found some odds actually. I've just been looking while you've been talking away there. Just um, found some odds which are up on Skybet that other bookmakers are available, but only Skybet have got the odds up at the minute. Uh, Dustin's the favourite at six to one. Um, and then it's Ustazen at ten to one. I'm surprised at that. And then Answer at eleven to one. Brooks twelve to one. Um, oh, Pat Perez down there at twenty-two to one. We didn't talk about Pat Perez, but um, mm. I don't think it really needs talking about. He's getting on in age and. I mean, he's just doing what's best for him at this stage of his yeah. career, I would say. Um, but yeah, so to one. There's some interesting odds, aren't they? Um, yeah. Interesting to see Bryson further down. So, so I had a quick. Um, I, there weren't any odds when I did this. This was last night. So I just went through quickly and had a look at sort of everyone's recent form, who's playing, and then also had a look at their historic strokes gained approach numbers or greens in reg numbers, depending on which tour they came from, because obviously some tours have better stats than others. Um, so the ones I kind of picked out, and I guess you can give us kind of a, a, a live odds indication if I just go through them. Yep. Um, Sam Horsfield obviously played well in the first live event. Uh, number one on the European tour in strokes gained approach last season and this season. So if I'm right yeah. about approach being key, yeah, there's your man. Well, he's twenty-five to one, and you know, I, I got I got bigger odds on Schwartz all last uh, last time out, but um, yeah, that's kind of the betting range that I like to bet at. So um, Sam Horsfield mm. might be my pick this week as well, twenty-five to one. Okay, um, next one would have would be at this stage Taylor Gooch, decent form, did okay in the first event. I think he came ninth. Uh, and over the last 75 rounds on the PGA Tour, he is the 13th in strokes gained approach, which obviously translates to probably top five comfortably in this field. So uh, what's what's Mr. Gooch's odds looking like? Uh, he is 12 to 1. Um, I can't Ooh. bet down that low, to be honest, in golf. Um, there's no real value there for me, uh, so unless it's Scottish Sheffler. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm just not betting that, that, that those odds. Yeah, it does feel a bit low. Um, the other two that I pulled out for kind of must bets were um, Nara Nustes, and obviously because of the uh, the form, the caliber, the approach numbers historically. Um, did you say Ustazen was ten to one? So we yeah, won't second favorite. Yeah, he's second favorite. I'm going nowhere near that. And Kevin Nara's eighteen to one. I don't mind the Kevin Nara eighteen to one, but he was a bit of a letdown because I backed him in the first event. He was a bit of a letdown at the first event. Um, mm. I will certainly have a little bit of Sam Horsfield. I know you've sort of talked. Brandon Grace is interesting. He played well at the first event. 28 to 1. South Africans, very good iron players in general. Um, who's this? I, I'm going to butcher this name. He was, he was second in the event at the first. Hene. There you go. Tom, you can yeah, he is 33 to 1. And he was very good at the first event. Um, yeah, that's, that's again, it's, it's a, it, no, again, it's a much stronger field this time out. Um, I mean, you can go down the odds. Where's Mickelson I'm trying to find him? Yeah, see, th this is what I've tried to factor in is is the fact it is a stronger field and it's in America um, where I I think the first event at, at the Centurion Club, that, that style of golf course will have been far more familiar to a, to a bigger bunch of players, whereas going into kind of the heart of America, um, I think it rules out a lot more players than I could have ruled out at Centurion. Um, so, um, yeah, just uh, funny you mentioned Duplessis actually. So I was trying to find his approach stats and, and kind of scrabbling about, and I didn't realize that 
he's he's kind of popped up on the European tour this year, but even last year he was on the Challenger tour, which is kind of like the DP World Tour feeder tour. Yep. So I, I didn't realize kind of you know how low a level he was playing at little more yeah. than 12 months ago, and now he's winning what did he win two million dollars? Uh, I think. Yep, something like that. Um, yeah, it was the most most money he earned in his career, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I, I I did find his his approach numbers were okay. I think I took them from um from the DP World Tour, and he was around kind of top fifty, just about. Um, yep. So yeah, not not the worst. Um, Brandon Grace's approach numbers are horrendous from the PGA Tour, but obviously yeah. he had a really bad kind of. 2020 2021 didn't he so how much you kind of buy into that i don't know um, um yeah I, I don't mind that answer at 11 to 1 i mean that's i don't really like betting down that low but maybe he's a very good iron player abraham so i mean i haven't dived into his stats as of uh, as of late um i know he's been struggling um, yeah, I don't so, um so sergio is obviously notorious like notoriously good with his irons and things like that. He's 16 to one. But again, I, I know for a fact, looking at his stats this year, that's been the one part of his game that he's been struggling with, which has been a surprise. Um, Patrick Reed at 18 to one. I might have a little bit of interest there. There was a bit, he was showing a little bit of form on the PGA Tour. Yeah, um, yeah he was so coming too, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't mind Patrick Reed. I, I think my bets would probably be Patrick Reed, Sam Horsfield, and then I would just throw a dart at Brandon Grace. I think that's what I'm going to look at this week without looking at any stats as of yet. Yeah, so so I've got my kind of my stats ready, and I'm going to go through the odds. Um, if I can throw, uh, I'll throw four more at you, and let's see what the odds look like. So, two Japanese um, tour players who I would have some interest in. Um, Kinoshita was. 14th in the first live event he has decent form and he is second in greens in regulation on the japanese tour over the last two years wow he's 125 to one okay so that could be a flyer or a top uh, you know in each way um and the other that's, one is yuki yuki that inamori that that was top five y yuki inamori uh, yeah so he didn't play the first event but he's Form. I don't know if I've still got it up, but his form was insane. Um, and he is second on the Japanese tour for Greens in Ray. I don't actually think he's on this. Oh, you see, there he is. He's 100 to 1. So, okay, good, um, interesting. Good value bets there. That's for a top five. Um, if you were to do that each way, you'd, you'd get the five places on that. So. Cool. So, he won the uh, Japan Players Championship this week. So, presumably, concluded yesterday um so yeah he's in really good form um also has a win what's that seven weeks ago on the japanese tour as well so he's got kind of two two recent wins so they're maybe ones for flyers what what i was thinking for some of these guys is when the teams come out i'm gonna have a look to see kind of you know maybe these guys are a, a bit of a a real flyer in the outright market but which teams are they on you know if they're partnered up with uh, top players that I also fancy, then maybe there's some team bets here. Um, yep. The other two, just quickly, final ones from the European Tour side of things. Bernd Wiesberger is historically one of the best iron players on the DP World Tour over like the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, so he played, I was intrigued. He played the BMW last week, actually, played quite well. It's 28 to 1 years. Okay, that's maybe a little shorter than I'd like. Um, and the real flyer 
is Martin Keimer. I, I didn't realise how good his irons still are. Um, over the last, uh, in fact, I don't think it had stats for this season because he hadn't played enough. But even in 2021, where he, he, you know, he was still on that downward turn, he was fifth in uh, strokes gained approach on the DP World Tour. So if this course is all about irons, uh, give me some odds for Mr. Keimer. He is 45 to 1. Okay, that's that's not too horrendous. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know if I can get there. I think this field's too strong for someone yeah. like Keimer now. I think he's part, as I say, my, my, my go-to guys would probably be Patrick Reed, uh, Sam Horsfield, and Brandon Grace with a punt, and then I might have a punt on one of your Japanese guys down there, um, just for an each way, but... But yeah, um, hopefully I can go go for two two for two on this, uh, Tom. We'll see. Hopefully so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I even had a bet on the first one. I was a good boy. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see how we go. But yeah, let's. Um, I think what we can probably do when when the teams have been uh, drawn, and obviously there's the issue that the South African and the English teams are going to be super strong. But if we see any value in in some of the other teams, I'm sure we can tweet out a little tip there. Obviously. Do your own research and um, <laughs> gamble responsibly, etc. But yeah, happy happy to throw out a little bit of um, advice if we can. Yeah, I would have some in my newsletter. It's in my uh, bio on Twitter, Jack Humphrey KM. Um, I would have a couple of bets uh, from all the tours this week on there. So um, yeah, if you fancy a little go, but please do gamble responsibly. Don't put your house on it. It's um, just for fun. So, but yeah, that's us done for another week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at We Live Golf Pod. Tom, any any final thoughts from you, sir, before we get out of dodge? Uh, my final thought, and and this was something Pat Mayo was talking about, which I know we're both fans of his content. What I think is going to come soon, and he's starting to murmur up, is there's going to be a backlash against Monaghan and the way that as the kind of leader of the PGA Tour, he has handled this whole situation. I think it's something that it, it kind of feels like the golf media is kind of holding back a little bit on being too critical of him because obviously they don't want to be seen as kind of um, live golf supporters and, and cheerleaders. But I just think every action that Monaghan has taken in, in suspending players, in refusing to call it live golf, in refusing to ever engage with these guys um, over kind of the last, I don't know, nine months, we've probably been talking about this on and off. I just think it's it, his actions have have built up live as much as Greg Norman's positive actions have. You know, um, I, and this plan that came out this week about, the PGA Tour is going to increase purses, but then they're going to have these ring-fenced events sprinkled into the calendar where, like, the top 50 from the previous year's FedEx Cup um, standings will play for large purses with no cut, etc. Um, it, it just feels like completely the wrong direction to take for me. You know, we're doing a Live Golf podcast, but I have obviously nothing against the PGA Tour. And I, I, as kind of a fantasy and a betting person, I want to have the opportunity to to gamble and to play fantasy on both. And um, chucking a load of kind of rebranded WGCs at us, just to me, smacks of the leadership having the complete wrong idea about what they need to do um, in this situation. I just, 
yeah, I, I can just see that backlash coming, and and it'd be surprised me if it's not coming from from the player base as well to an extent. I don't know what you we haven't talked about that before, so uh, yeah, what's your hot take on my hot take? No, I agree with you. Um, I also don't agree with the DP World Tour stance that they come out with. Um, I, I think that's just suicidal by them. They're they're that tour struggling massively as it is and I, I think their stance was just suicidal I, I think the live golf thing was an opportunity for them to maybe just to team up and so to speak gang up on the pga tour a little bit um yeah i'm with you there's going to be a massive backlash coming and it's all well it's all gonna there's gonna be a day in court very very soon for a lot of these players with the pga tour um mm. and yeah, we'll it, see it, what it, happens it, it kind of felt like the point at which the lawyers need to suit up, didn't it? When when Keith Pelly came out and said, we're fining these guys a hundred grand each, uh, the DP World Tour players. While some of them were on, on the course playing a DP World Tour event, it kind of just feels like, right, that's the point at which this is going to court quite soon. Because, as you know, are all those players just happy to hand over a hundred grand and get a slap on the wrist? while being promoted at other DP World Tour events. It just, I, yeah, that felt very strange. Um, I guess the DP World Tour are going to lean into this strategic partnership they have with the PGA Tour. But yeah. if that's the direction they're going, they need to get a, a shed load better deal because at the minute, the deal that they, and the, and the supposed benefits they get from the BG Tour, PGA Tour don't really exist, do they? So, yeah, it's it's... There's so many angles to all this, and it's going to be so interesting. Um, an, another uh, slight uh, nailing, nailing uh, what hopefully isn't a coffin for the PGA Tour, but the John Deere Classic field that we've already had a bit of a giggle about this week. Um, Davis Riley withdrew earlier today. Daniel Berger has now just withdrawn um, to be replaced by Matt Every. So I think that tells you all, all you need to know about the John Deere Classic field this week. Um, yeah, I assume Berger was the best in favourite. Well, yeah, he was the the only one in the top fifty inside that in that field, I believe. Um, I think the next guy that's top ranked in it is Webb Simpson, who's sixtieth in the golf world rankings at the minute. Um, so yeah, that that field is poor to say the least. Yikes! Yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting kind of ten days or so to decide what golf to watch, isn't it? Because you've You've got a poor John Deere. You've got the interest um, around the live event. You've got this um, JP McManus Pro-Am thing on Monday and Tuesday next week. I don't know if it's televised, but I think they've got, um, I think someone said 19 of the top 20 in the world, including Tiger, is playing it. So if that's on telly, I'm watching that. Um, I also had a quick look at the, the list of amateurs in it, and there's even some kind of interesting, you know, <laughs> From a UK perspective, there's like Alan Hansen and people like that um, playing in that one as well. So, yeah, there's certainly uh, plenty of intrigue. And then obviously we've got the, the Scottish Open the week after that you're going to. So, yeah, yep. a, a lot going on. Yep, a lot going on. And like Tom says, I will be at the Scottish Open. So if you are there, come and say hi to me. But um, that's it. You can find us on Twitter again at We Live Golf Pod, And um, we'll be back for episode four. Uh, recapping the Portland event and no doubt some more news um, and maybe a few court dates. But um, Tom, thanks for joining me and give us a like and subscribe, guys, and we'll see you later. Thanks. <laughs>